Welcome to the Ankler Podcast. This is Sean McNulty from the Wake Up Newsletter here at the Ankler on the morning of uh, Friday, October 6th. I'm joined as always by Elaine Lowe and, of course, Richard Rushfield from Los Angeles, who cannot wait to talk about the new Bleacher Sports uh, add-on tier on Max. Richard, just hang tight. We'll get to you shortly. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I know you've been chomping at the bit all week to to dive into it. So Badminton rights? That's uh... <laughs> probably next on the list, Richard, at this point, honestly. I think of what's available. So uh... I'm excited. Elaine, did Taylor Swift get you into football yet, or, or is, it, is it all for naught? Listen, all I'll say is two weeks ago, I didn't know who Travis Kelsey was, and now I know what his mother's <laughs> name is. I have seen all the clips. <laughs> all right, we've got you on a clip basis, at least. We're not having maybe, this, maybe not on Sunday afternoons, but... Following ESPN on Instagram, that's something, right? <laughs> <laughs> 12 weeks left, Elaine, so we got you. we got a long time to reel you in. What's great for me is that it's bringing together two two things that I know nothing about, so sort of combining. <laughs> Combining them, so, uh, everything I, I I don't know or follow can just be, become part of that story. Then uh, I learn it all in one swoop. So, Elaine, uh, we are entering uh, well day three of negotiations here, week one of negotiations uh, for SAG and AMPTP since uh, since the strike. Um, nothing too much happening at this point. What's uh, what's the latest here? No, we are on day three. They met Monday, Wednesday, Friday of this week. Uh, they released a joint statement that said both parties were going to be working internally over the weekend, I assume sort of going over whatever they've talked about, and then we'll reconvene on Monday. So what we know is that nothing's going to get resolved today, but it seems like progress that they have been meeting regularly and are agreeing to meet again. And, you know, from talking to uh, people familiar with the talks, as I understand it, on Monday, it was mainly just a, a catch up and review day for the CEOs in the room to sort of get back up to speed. Obviously, there are a disparate uh, group of issues that uh, the performers are, are are asking for and are negotiating around. So we'll just have to sort of wait and see. But I think Everyone is expecting or they're kind of hoping they're like, oh, this is going to be over quick. Right. And it's like, yeah, maybe. Uh, but, <laughs> right. you know, you've still got like one hundred and sixty thousand people whose whose issues you have to account for. So 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 maybe maybe, uh, you know, hit the hit the brakes on that. Yeah. I mean, we've had the four leaders in, are in the room. This isn't like. Yeah, it's progress. I, I saw I saw a lot of people had put predictions out there before the talk started that it would be one week, almost certainly, maybe two weeks at most, uh, possibly it might drift into two weeks, but certainly no more than that. Expectations were very set that uh, they were just going to kind of walk into the room, sh shake hands, and uh, Hollywood can move forward. And the writer's strike will be over by July 4th. So, you know, yeah, exactly. We're all, <laughs> we all know what's all going on in here. So anyway, keeping a good thought, Elaine, I think is, is the way to go there. Um, mm -hmm. More cautious optimism. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. A little emphasis on the optimism, perhaps. Um, <laughs> uh, but Richard, we've now had a, a full week of post WGA strike uh, deal activity. And while, you know, it's been active, I did a roundup today in, in the wake up, actually, kind of previously to the strike. Uh, part of what I do in the wake up is just re recount and, and summarize the deals in TV and movies from writers being attached, directors being attached, things being greenlit, series being greenlit. And it's been a you know, September was dead for all of that, uh, all that kind of activity. And this week, you know, it's not a deluge, but certainly books are now the, the book optioning has kind of come back out and writers are being attached to adapt short stories and, you know, stars ordered a series this week and this activity is really picking up. But one thing we haven't seen is, uh, you know, there was no 
oh, here's this uh, spec script I wrote uh, on by May 1st that I have. Like, we haven't seen that that kind of transpire at this point, Richard, I don't think. I mean, the, the not a deluge is the thing that stands out for me because they have a four-month hole to make up for. So right. you'd sort of need a deluge to kind of just get back to even. And you would, you would think that there were a lot of projects people had their eye on or books or anything that they were all... Maybe they'd had secret talks to queue it up before it got started and that everyone was just waiting to go. But it feels kind of like a, you know, a normal week like you might have had a year, a year ago this time. That's a net loss if that's the uh, case there. Yeah, I guess if you want an, an aggregate, certainly. Yeah. I mean, again, it's week one. The wheels will see how it progresses next week. Um, but there was, certainly wasn't that... Uh... Three feature spec scripts sell to uh, Universal, Sony, and Netflix. You know that that we we didn't see any of that. It was more writers being attached to uh, things that had been written, had been bought and uh, to develop into screenplays or, or into to TV shows. So, and on the other side of that, we we're seeing shows that we're expecting to come back. We're are getting cancellation notices. I think we talked about this a little last week, but I think it's a concerning lack of uh, product going in here, and also a kind of a, a net loss here, which. You know, it's all preparing for the big pullback, I think, is what's happening. Well, it is the big pullback. It's I mean, it's here. This is what it looks like, you know. And again, again, uh, the austerity continues. Freeform was, again, you know, cancel unordered series. They had already ordered. It was already shot. And they've said no thanks. And this was which was even produced by Freeform Studios, a sister, you know, a sister arm there that they just pulled the plug on there. So this this kind of uh, notion of things that were even ordered are not they're not even going to be happening, you know, it's still going on now here as we're in October of, you know, 2023, Richard. I think this is but a pinprick. Uh, it's hard to be the the voice of uh, of, of happiness and uh, joy <laughs> as always, but I haven't seen a count of what the active level of series are right now, but we, so we came into this, we were right about 600 and sort of pre-streaming wars, it was at about 250. So, you know, most people I talk to think, think that we'll end up in a year or so at 300 which is half the show's gone half the job's gone and i I feel like it's gone back about you know 10 15 percent so there's a lot of pullback to come still and and are you hearing from any writers this week or is that continuing here post uh post deal i would say three quarters of the writers i've spoken to have said that they've hit the ground running and that you know business is back up but then there's the occasional one that's like oh things are still sort of quiet even if they had something in the works before the strike started so i i think some pockets are are wearing back up faster than others yeah and sort of late night tv is back snl is back next weekend so those pockets Mm -hmm. of writers certainly are are very active in that regard but uh yeah that's really the the question mark that's everybody's you know what will certainly affect the actors when they're back as well i mean it trickles down to them is that's half the amount of acting jobs more or less and richard yeah that 300 numbers a number i've heard a couple of times esg is maybe a little more optimistic around four four fifty i think you know it's, it's a a demarcation point you know there was structural change elaine to the writer the you know the writing job i mean this is a, another demarcation point not just in the number of orders but in compensation and it's like okay how will this affect you know the business going forward to an extent too right elaine yeah i mean i think it's going to take a lot of time before we see the full impact of the new contract when it comes to the staffing minimums and you know which was a hard won thing but i know there's already the concern of well what if the studios decide that these minimums are the maximums and use that as a as a cap um so so i think the sort of there are a number of concerns that are starting to emerge but obviously it's just too early to tell We'll have to give it time for the contract to actually be implemented and see what the real world 
consequences are. And Richard, you know, just tallying up now through, so this would be through September, essentially, you know, Apple's had about 30 TV shows and movies come out this year. Um, A couple of unscripted uh, things in there, but mostly scripted TV shows and films. Uh, Netflix has about what I come up with, 84. uh, And this is U.S. uh, English language only in in nine months. That's more more than one a week. So it's one and a half a week, essentially. Exactly. Yeah, we're at 36 or wherever we're at right now. So yeah, uh, 84 projects, uh, whether docuseries, scripted series, or movies in, in, say, 36 weeks or 37 weeks. Then you have HBO, who's at 15. You know, uh, this excludes one-off documentaries in these numbers. Um, so, you know, this kind of, where is this going to go? Will Netflix keep at that pace next year is a, you know, a big question. Their their budget is holding it around $17 billion a year for content, however you want to dice that up. But again, that's worldwide. That's not just the US. Will there be, you know, that's a big question mark that's out there. And But on the studio side, I think the HBO 15 is probably more where we'll land on this stuff. I mean, I, you know, the, the Hulu and Peacock and, Certainly Paramount Plus numbers are, no, are definitely along those HBO lines. Anyway, those, you know, the amount of volume on there has already been pulled back unless your name is Taylor Sheridan on, on Paramount Plus or, you know, Peacock has gone to this one a quarter strategy at this point, Richard. So I think we're already seeing this. So what what advice or what what is your uh, recommendation for this moment of kind of like reset for, for people to look forward to here at the studios and streamers? I think a big theme that's uh, coming out I'm hearing from a lot of studio people is that the bar for green light has just gotten much higher mm. in the last few months. And that's part of the lingering effect of uh, the events of this year. It's going to be a lot harder to get a movie going. It's going to be a lot harder to get a show going. And the, I mean, the great thing about HBO traditionally has been they they have 15 at bats. Um, at least they can count on at least 10 of those doing, doing pretty well for them. Whereas uh, 84 at bats for, for Netflix might be 10 of them doing very well. You would hope they would be much more strategic and much smarter and not just uh, rushing everything out, but uh, it's still a very competitive environment. You can't necessarily keep a writer on ice developing a series for for five years while you go over uh, different drafts there. So it's whether making it harder makes it smarter is always a a tough bet in Hollywood that that just because they, uh, they, they raise the bar doesn't mean they... Uh, they they spend more time thinking about it in a smart way, but um, I think you're going to have fewer shows. Netflix and the thing is, Netflix is the one place that can afford to keep doing this. Right. Um, I think a lot of that those shows will maybe be switched from from English language to international, developing um, their their worldwide content. So that's also fewer things being made in Hollywood. But um, the smaller services and and maybe even for HBO, they're staring into to the barrel of this this massive competitor that can keep doing that and keep sort of monopolizing the attention in it uh in in a way that that they can't consistently do week after week and we know here that churn becomes a big uh a big factor uh when you can't uh, keep doing that yeah and that's certainly something everybody's keeping their eye on in terms of how many series do you need institutional knowledge was you needed to match netflix because that was the you know the thinking but now i think people are understanding that well Maybe we add sports. That's going to keep people in. Maybe we add these other things. You know, we have more discovery shows, whatever these, you know, elements, levers we can pull. We don't have to be ordering 30 scripted shows a year. Um, but Elaine, some of the protections then that were that are in the Writers Guild uh, in the WGA deal, 
you know, it may not be as many people getting employed, but those who do get employed, hopefully will have those jobs longer. You know, if there's fewer shows, is that maybe some sort of a net net here? Or, uh, is that- I, I think we're going to, I mean, honestly, I think the answer is just, we're going to have to wait a year and see how all of this gets implemented. Once writer's rooms reopen, once the development cycle gets back in year, you know, I don't like making predictions. So it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> I know I have to go to for it. Anyway, I'm very boring. I'm sorry. I'm just going through in my head of like, oh, well, if you're guaranteed more 20 weeks on a show versus before you're only getting 10, you know, right. being hired on shows or whatever. Okay. The writers who do get hired may be getting longer, you know, longer gigs. So, but the overall number of writers being hired may be really taking a hit, taking a hit there. So. Yeah. I mean, I think just the general prediction that we've seen that the, the total number of shows is going to go from 600 to, and we had a business affairs executive write a great essay right. too yesterday. And I think that prediction was also somewhere around 300 to 350. So we're talking like what, 45, 50% cut. Yeah. That's, that's enormous. You know, and it's uh, this, uh, so I real, you know, 84 series, 30 series. Uh, I, I, I won't quiz you, Elaine, because I know you, lo- you love quizzes. Um, <laughs> but, you know, how many of those can you name, uh, you know, that have been released versus the, the 15 on HBO? How many can you name? Right. This notion of uh, there's, it's great to get a green light and do a series. It's another thing to just be another, as Richard always says, the fire hose or, you know, being tossed into the void of, of streaming, never to be heard from again. In an era, especially more for the actors, where building your brand and building your name is is increasingly important. And what does that as a marketing campaign, not just doing a show? This notion that fewer will also allow more attention on these series, I think. And attention to be marketing spend and marketing dollars and less, and less distraction in the marketplace for people to notice it in a certain sense, uh, Elaine. Yeah, ideally, it's uh, quality over quantity, ultimately, right? But it's like, I think there's this balance, too, between, uh, you know, the idea of making these rooms and this profession sustainable and also accessible, but also the business realities that all of these, you know, increasingly consolidated companies are are dealing with here. Yeah, exactly. And I think in a career where actors, uh, for a a certain level, you know, your paycheck isn't just the Netflix deal you got, it's the $3 million brand campaign that you got signed for, you know, because you have a, a, a name and you're now of that level where you can go, go to Venice for uh, a shoe uh, endorsement deal. You know, this is all it's trickles down from having a marketing, a multi-million dollar marketing campaign built around you, which these streaming shows don't do. Right. I mean, it's so much of, of acting, writing, being any kind of person in the industry or, or so many industries too, that have a public facing element to it. It's like, it's becoming your own quote unquote brand, right. As opposed yeah. to being part of a greater institution and, and part of, I mean, like there's different factors with that, right. It's like, because of streaming, because of the fragmentation of the audience, it's like, who knows what NBC's Thursday night lineup looks like? Who can name that off the, the you know, the top of their head versus if, you know, 20 years ago. So it's like it's it's even just like being part of these institutions doesn't have the same weight it carries anymore. And so you have to sort of create your own brand, which is like a whole other discussion. But that's just the nature of it. But there are still, um, you know, launching a show on on HBO still still has a meaning. And sure. Netflix has, uh, you know, they have 87 shows shows a year but if you're one of those 87 you have a better chance of one of those breaking out than if you're just putting your show up on youtube still so there's still these these goliaths still have some uh power and you know netflix does regularly um still you know we we talk about their development process being so chaotic and everything but somehow out of that out of the sheer numbers 
they put up things that we talk about on a, on a pretty regular basis and that's uh, the strength of them there. So still means something. Of course. I'm not, I'm not saying that all those brands have been, you know, devalued to the point where they don't mean anything. I'm just saying it's, um it's just, a, it's a harder fight. It's, it's always just like getting more out of less, trying to break through the noise. It's, it's sort of all the same dynamics that we've seen. Just the pressure has been increasing. Well, and in terms of films, Richard, like, you know, you look at the Oppenheimer campaign, you know, a streamer isn't doing that kind of a, a campaign for a movie. And what did that do for, you know, Killian Murphy? What did that do for, you know, the Nolan brand? And, you know, we have David Fincher film coming out on Netflix this fall. Bradley Cooper has got Maestro, like, you know, are the, and we have Scorsese in theaters, you know, and how much have we seen on that? But we have these two Apple films that are going to be these, uh, these giant releases. Uh, three, three of them, three of them. Yeah. Hoping to be the next, the, the next Opp- Oppenheimer uh, with uh, Napoleon or uh, Killers of the Flower Moon there. So I feel like people are still figuring that out. And, uh, but part of what we're looking forward to is, is also a, a pretty rough, uh, end of the year here in terms of releases i mean i was i was was looking through and the the two big tentpole like releases are are the marvels and uh and aquaman and wonka probably falls in there i guess to yes yeah Yeah. but it's uh there's no avatar three in there there's no new star wars there's no no uh, spider-man uh no way home or far from home yeah exactly yeah no obvious thing that would be the new savior and bring and you know bring a couple billion new dollars into the into the ecosystem here. Yeah, and October has you know has Taylor Swift, which is not a studio film, which will be the biggest film in October. Is not going to have studios have no cut of that. What's over a hundred million in advanced sales already, right? Glo- globally, yeah. That's that's very likely to be the biggest film of of the fall and and winter here, and studios will collect zero dollars on on it yep exactly so uh, nothing is hunger games coming but taylor may still be going and that's the exact audience uh there's a four-week window i think before hunger games hits theaters so uh you know we, we'll see if we see it tra- you have to let us know if there's a trailer for it before taylor swift on uh, we wanted a trailer report elaine when you go see taylor swift <laughs> but what gets the tra- the trailer spots it's probably the beyonce movie that'll be one of them but oh that's true yeah but we'll see how many people do like a hunger games taylor swift double feature we'll see how it goes but um but back to those apple films real quick so universals who has argyle it's the matthew vaughn movie they're already we're spending nfl money here in uh or late september to advertise that movie so that's six months out and they're spending money on that uh so again it's just this level of campaign you know, and oppenheimer had a almost a year-long campaign coming out for that movie so you know just things that that matter for for talent um as much as it's great to get your dream project made you know getting known for it and getting it on on the resume is a, it's a thing that people know is another another factor to always think of so looking at next summer which appears pretty thin uh compared to this summer but the one big question mark that stands out is uh mission impossible part two is coming they split up this uh film into two two parts as is the uh, has been the trend lately but when people didn't show up for the first part and now a year later you've got to sell you know it's not another standalone film you have to have seen the first part to have the second part make any sense they've got to pick up the marketing campaign for that that in mission impossible calendars those would start getting in gear pretty soon and uh trying to get people out to the second half of a movie they didn't see the first half of that's a that's a challenge there it's a marketing challenge for sure. Uh, that's I think currently slated for the July Fourth weekend, and they, and Warner Brothers just put their Horizon, the Kevin Costner two part Western epic on uh, July twenty eighth next year as well. So uh, yeah, that how 
close together are the two parts coming out? June 28th and I think middle of August. So about uh, six weeks, uh, you know, six, seven weeks apart. So that's an interesting, uh, could be a great spectacle or could be a huge, uh, huge disaster. We, well, it's Kevin Costner film, so it kind of always falls into that category historically. But uh, yeah, we will test that Yellowstone juice on the big screen to see. Uh, this is the first time he's been back on the big screen since all this this uh, with the Yellowstone happened. So uh, adds a little intrigue into next summer. But we'll see if even that that movie, the Mission Impossible movie, is even ready, Richard. By that point, you know, it's still there's still no shooting going on. So well, if they have to hold it a year, and then then they have to part two of a movie that you didn't see. The first part of two years, two, two years, years ago. ago, that then then you're really in a hole there. Yeah, could be some challenges uh, for sure coming for 2024 marketing departments. But either way, Richard, in the in the future here, one thing guaranteed for the American public is they'll be paying more for streaming. So we had two more or one more definite price increase this week in Discovery Plus, which went up uh, two dollars. It's now more expensive than Apple TV Plus. Um, and the Wall Street Journal reported uh, that Netflix is going to be raising their prices uh, soon after a few months after the SAG strike is settled, which they've alluded to a bit on their last earnings call, but there'll be a price hike in the U S not determined could be a dollar, but either way, there'll be a a price hike for Netflix uh, for the ad free tier. And this is the trend we're seeing across the board now is, you know, the new thing is to make your ad people who will pay, take all the money you can get, Uh, squeeze them for all they got Uh, people who do not want ads and everybody else you keep ad ad tiers low. And uh, you catch them on the way down, but this is the new way they're they're finding profitability, Richard. I, I wonder what's going to happen as cord cutters start to realize they're paying more than they were when they had traditional. Uh, that's I think that's their traditional kind of. I hear that a lot of like I'm paying is maybe whether they are or they're not. I don't know that that's true, but I think the sentiment is out there, Elaine. I don't know. People feel that way. Yeah, some people feel that way. I think everybody should go home and really do the math a little bit first before they <laughs> say <laughs> that. I, 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 I absolutely pay more than I would. Richard, you pay for everything. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think it just depends on how many you're going for. I think, what is it? The There was a study that came out that I said, I think the average is what, four? It's like three or four. Services people subscribe to? Yeah. If one of those is Hulu Live, you're paying more for that. Alone. <laughs> well, oh, true. What's that, like 80 bucks a month? Go up to 90, I think. Oh, my God. Nine, 90 as of this month. And and I forgot to mention Disney is raising their prices. Yeah, this month, all the price raises at Disney for across the board for Hulu Plus Live TV uh and the individual the bundle and the individual streaming services so that's also going to be happening in october so uh pay up america it's not a free ride's over so at, at the end of this we'll look at a place where uh we're paying everybody's paying more than they were paying uh for traditional cable and they have ads this mirage that you could have this level of spending richard without with people paying less was would never you know it's a house of cards that has that's clearly crumbled and it's being rebuilt in exactly the same fashion just with inflation, uh, you know, five to seven years later. And, and, you know, here we are. It's not a not a shock per se, but I think the American public was under a different impression for sure. Uh, but Elena actually did the math on this. Oh, yeah. How much are you paying a month? Not me. Oh, oh. no, no, no. Not, this wasn't this wasn't my math. This was if one were to subscribe to all the ad tiers or the ad free tiers, if you're subscribing to all of the ad free tiers, it almost exactly matched the price of YouTube TV. So the live tv bundles so i was like i think it was 73 dollars was the total with the new price hikes you know as of so as of next month but not for the if you do the ad tiers it's you know significantly less and if you cut out sports it you know it uh definitely lowers it a lot as well so do we know what the average cable 
users paying a month these days the cable bill i mean it's yeah. the, i mean i i looked because when the charter stuff went down with disney i did this in the wake up i was like how much is cable these days i haven't had it you know in 13 years so yeah same I was like, if I was just going to sign up for Spectrum Cable, what would that be charging me? It was $100 a month. You know, and as people start to feel this bite, I, as we say, uh, a lot of entertainment choices that don't cost $100 a month. They, TikTok is free. YouTube is free. Uh, pirated content is free, which <laughs> is true also, <laughs> yes. Hugely available to, the, uh, to, to most of the world. Exactly. Competition is out there. So, you know, uh, and we'll see where the economy is in six months. So all uh, stay tuned uh, for the ever revolving saga of uh, Hollywood looking for a business model that uh, is profitable. So TBD on the above in streaming uh, in theaters. We have The Exorcist. Elena, I already know where you stand. Uh, Richard, did you see the original or uh, where's your what's your, your exorcist relationship? I did see the original. I'm still uh, terrified <laughs> of the original. So. I am too much of a coward to uh, to even look at the new one. But uh, wow! Yes, I will be reading the Wikipedia summary of the plot a month after it comes out, <laughs> and that will still give me nightmares. <laughs> yeah, people get possessed and then things go down a lane. That's that's basically what happens. So I'll save you a little bit of time. So I did see the original though. You did? Yes. Wow. There was, there was one summer in high school where I saw I was made to watch The Exorcist and The Ring. And I did not sleep the entire that's summer. A, that's a, <laughs> yeah, that's a tough. Uh, that's a double bill there. Yeah. What what kind of punishment was this for mom and dad? I'm not sure. What, what did you do? <laughs> so it was like a high school party. It was I, I clearly a uh, lot of fun at party. I was, I was like, no, no, <laughs> no, thank you. Social pressures getting. To, <laughs> and this is what and this is why you don't watch them now. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's lifelong yeah. trauma. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much still dealing with it. <laughs> Uh, so we'll see how much of America shows up. Tracking is around uh, 30 to low 30s uh, in a million dollars. This is, of course, a property that uh, Universal paid $400 million for for the franchise uh, rights for a few years back. And the, we'll see where it comes in this weekend. I'll wrap that, of course, all up in uh, the wake up on Monday morning in my box office breakdown. Um, just a quick shout out to a, a couple of other pieces this week. Uh, the, a great read on the examination of where all the uh, diversity executives investments from the studios after the murder of George Floyd went and are uh, great roundup there um, from Nicole and our mysterious business affairs executive breaks down the WGA terms uh, from the business affairs perspective. Uh, you can read that over at the Ankler and subscribe at the Ankler.com. And of course, follow the Ankler on the socials at the Ankler and Elaine Strike Guys newsletter is still going strong. And uh, and a note for our readers, we're, we're going to be publishing closer to, to three times a week right now. Uh, but of course, any any breaking news, any new developments, you'll you'll hear it from us first. There you go. And people can always find you at I'm at Elaine at the Ankler dot com. Talk to me. I want to hear how things are going for writers now that you're back at work. And I want to hear how things are going uh, for the actors who are still out on the picket lines. Yeah. So it's a good point for the writers, too. You're still kind of, you know, uh, I think talking about that as well in terms of what they're coming back to. Right, Elaine? Yeah, absolutely. Would love to know what the environment is like. Uh, again, I know some of you have hit the ground running. Some of you have not, um, but always interested to hear how things are. Awesome. All right. And of course, you can subscribe to that again, totally free at strikegeist.com. Uh, Richard, I'm sorry we ran out of time to talk about the Max uh, Bleacher Report sports tier, um, but I'll look forward to our text about the NFL this weekend. We're going to be uh, back and forth on Sunday. So I, I'm, I'm confused. So is the NFL show 
part of the Taylor Swift movie or or do we... <laughs> Richard we'll we'll sidebar we'll, let's let's sidebar this I'll break it all down for okay. you actually you know what Elaine might be able to at this point so I think you won't even need me anymore so oh yeah me and me and Donna Kelsey who I, I know who that is now <laughs> super tight super tight uh Richard Elaine always a pleasure to see you and uh thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time. <laughs>